Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. Let me sing, I pray you, for my beloved, a song of my beloved, as to his vineyard. My beloved hath a vineyard in a fruitful hill. It's interesting that he's using the same terminology that was in the Song of Solomon. The beloved is Jesus Christ, and in the Song of Solomon it also says that Jesus has a fruitful vineyard. 2. And he fenceth it, and casteth out its stones, and planteth it with a choice vine, and buildeth a tower in its midst, and also a winepress hath hewn out in it, and he waiteth for the yielding of grapes, and it yielded bad ones. Isaiah is using a metaphor or a parable to explain a prophecy about Israel. The Lord had created the nation of Israel, which is represented by the vineyard that he made. He pampered Israel and took good care of Israel. He put Israel in a good land, and he gave Israel everything that Israel needed, plentiful water, plentiful land, good soil, and protection from its enemies. In the metaphor, it says that he put a fence around it, which God did spiritually during King David's time and during Joshua's time. The pagans couldn't penetrate Israel. He built a tower in its midst, and that tower represents his law, and it also represents the protection that he was giving Israel. But the grapes were sour, and that's because Israel produced people who didn't have faith and they turned to idol worship and paganism. 3. And now, O inhabitant of Jerusalem, and man of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard. The Lord is saying, Judge for yourself that I have done right toward you. 4. What? To do still to my vineyard that I have not done in it. Wherefore I waited to the yielding of grapes, and it yieldeth bad ones. The Lord says, I did everything for you and you still apostasy and idol worship. 5. And now, pray, let me cause you to know that which I am doing to my vineyard, to turn aside its hedge, and it hath been for consumption, to break down its walls, and it hath been for a treading place. He says, because you put out bad grapes, I'm going to take away your protection. I'm going to let the pagan nations come in and tread all over you. 6. And I make it a waste, it is not pruned nor arranged, and gone up have briar and thorn, and on the thick clouds I lay a charge from raining upon it rain. The Lord says in this metaphor there will be a drought, and he's not going to prune the plants so that they grow stronger and bigger, which means he's not going to nurture Israel with his words. 7. Because the vineyard of Jehovah of hosts is the house of Israel, and the man of Judah his pleasant plant, and he waiteth for judgment, and lo, oppression, for righteousness, and lo, a cry. The Lord caused his vineyard to be Israel, and he caused the plants in the vineyard to be the tribe of Judah. And the Lord waited for them to take care of the poor, the weak, and the helpless, but they oppressed the poor, the weak, and the helpless. And he waited for them to practice righteousness, which is obeying his commands. And yet all he hears is cries from the city, and that's because of the lawlessness, people killing each other, taking advantage of each other. The territory of Judah is full of cries for help. 
8. Woe to those joining house to house, field to field they bring near, till there is no place, and ye have been settled by yourselves in the midst of the land. The Lord doesn't like it when property lines are touching. He likes space in between the property lines. But these people were so financially greedy, they overdeveloped the land so that there was no space for the wild animals to feed and roam. They were choking nature out. Now doesn't that sound familiar? That's what we do today in Western countries. We choke out God's creation and we overdevelop. 9. By the weapons of Jehovah of hosts, do not many houses a desolation become, great and good without inhabitant. He says because you overdeveloped because of your financial greed, I'm going to make all those houses you built empty. 10. For ten acres of vineyard do yield one bath, and an homer of seed yieldeth an ephah. A bath is a measurement, and he says ten acres of a vineyard will only yield one bath, which means very, very little, will be produced. A homer of seed, which is a measure of seed, will only yield an ephah of food, which means a lot of those seeds are going to be bad, and they're not going to grow anything. 11. Woe to those rising early in the morning, strong drink they pursue, tarrying in twilight, wine inflameth them. 12. And harp and psaltery, tabaret and pipe and wine have been their banquets, and the work of Jehovah they behold not, yea, the work of his hands they have not seen. He is saying, Woe to those people who just want to carouse and drink and have a good time, and they never think of me. 13. Therefore my people removed without knowledge, and its honorable ones are famished, and its multitude dried up of thirst. He says I'm going to bring famine and drought to your land, and your honorable ones will go hungry. The Lord is going to humble Israel because of all of its pride and its abandonment of the Lord's laws and himself. 14. Therefore hath Sheol enlarged herself, and hath opened her mouth without limit, and gone down hath its honor, and its multitude, and its noise, and its exulting one, into her. He says, the multitudes of Jerusalem are going to die. They're going to fall into the grave, including those who party, those who celebrate, and those who are honored. 15. And bowed down is the low, and humbled the high, and the eyes of the haughty become low. When your eyes are low, it's because you're shy. So he's saying those who used to be proud and stuck up are going to become shy, because they'll realize that they have nothing to offer. 16. And Jehovah of hosts is high in judgment, and the holy God sanctified in righteousness. The Lord is made high by his judgments. And his judgments are when he looks after the poor, the helpless, and the hopeless, and the weak. Now you might say, but that's not true. Children suffer all the time, and all kinds of bad things happen. But there is ultimate judgment. Also, the Lord restores people in dramatic ways that you would have never thought would have happened. Sometimes a poor person can end up ruling a country, or becoming very wealthy later on in life. But it's all according to the Lord's timing. And sometimes evil people seem to get away with murder for years, but when judgment comes, they wish that they had never been born. 
17, and fed have lambs according to their leading, and waste places of the fat ones do sojourners consume. He says that the innocent among you will find food wherever they go, and those who were hoarding and who were gluttons, what they owned will be consumed by travelers. 18. Woe to those drawing out iniquity with cords of vanity, and as with thick ropes of the cart, sin. It says, danger is coming to those who sin so much that they have to carry their sins in a cart behind them. They have baggage of sin. 19. Who are saying, let him hurry, let him hasten his work, that we may see, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come, and we know. The Lord is saying, these are the people who say, I'll believe it when I see it. If God is really God, then let him punish me. The Lord is going to answer their prayer and punish them severely. Now this did happen. Israel got conquered many times by pagans. It was actually overtaken at one time by Egypt, at another time by Babylon. And then Israel was broken down as a nation because all the tribes were scattered all over the world. Today, Israel is a nation again, but they still sin. They still haven't accepted Jesus as their savior as a whole. So their government is actually a secular government. It's not the government that the Lord instituted. 20. Woe to those saying to evil good and to good evil, putting darkness for light and light for darkness, putting bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We have those people in the media today and in the education system and even in some churches saying that sin is good and that righteousness is wrong. And there are people who punish Christians and anyone who wants to obey the Lord's commandments. They punish them and say that they're breaking the law because they're intolerant or whatever. That's an example of calling good evil and calling evil good. Meanwhile, there's people practicing perversion in their life who are getting awards and they're world famous and they're having money thrown at them because they're open and flamboyant and proud of their sin. We're in that age again today. 21. Woe to the wise in their own eyes and before their own faces intelligent. Intellectualism is not salvation. And there's lots of geniuses in hell right now because intellectualism doesn't save. But the Israelites were proud because they thought that they were smart. And nobody makes themselves intelligent. That's always a gift from God. 22. Woe to the mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. He says, danger is coming to those of you who have power but you get drunk. They're supposed to be using their power to help the weak. But if they're drunk, they don't have any interest in the weak. So all of their power is going to waste. 23. Declaring righteous the wicked for a bribe, and the righteousness of the righteous they turn aside from him. This means that in the court system, the judges would take bribes. They had the power to help weak and helpless victims. But instead, they were taking bribes from the criminals and passing judgment that the criminal was okay and that the victim was to blame. In modern society as well, sometimes the victim gets punished instead of the criminal. 24. Therefore, as a tongue of the fire devoureth stubble, 
and flaming hay falleth. Their root is as muck, and their flower as dust goeth up, because they have rejected the law of Jehovah of hosts, and the saying of the Holy One of Israel despised. He says, Because they rejected my law, and they refused to obey me and the Holy One, who is Jesus, that's his son, they're going to go up in smoke. This is the consuming fire of God that loves his children and punishes those who are not his children. 25. Therefore hath the anger of Jehovah burned among his people, and he stretcheth out his hand against it, and smiteth it, and the mountains tremble, and their carcass is a filth in the midst of the outplaces. With all this his anger did not turn back, and still his hand is stretched out. Isaiah prophesies, that the Lord will strike his own people because of their sin. The dead bodies will be left out in the open and they won't be buried because there won't be anybody to bury them. There will be too many dead. And even after that happens, when there's so many dead people that they can't be buried, the Lord will continue to punish them even more because that's not enough punishment. Remember, when God punishes us severely during this life, it's also an act of love because he's still giving us a chance to repent. So we need to repent now because we don't want to experience eternal punishment. No matter how bad his punishment is now, it is nothing compared to eternal torment in hell. Repent now. 26. And he lifteth up an ensign to nations afar off, and hissed to it from the end of the earth, and lo, with haste, swift it cometh. An ensign is a banner that an army waves in front of it to show who they're fighting for, and it says that the Lord is going to raise up a banner for the pagans to come and attack Israel. The problem with being an instrument of the wrath of God is that once his children repent and turn back to him, then he punishes those whom he used for his wrath. So it isn't for the pagan nation's honor that he would have them attack Israel. It's ultimately for their dishonor as well. 27. There is none weary nor stumbling in it. It doth not slumber nor sleep, nor opened hath been the girdle of its loins, nor drawn away the latchet of its sandals. The pagan armies that he will cause to rise up against Israel, these are armies that are never going to have downtime. They're not going to sleep. They're not going to stumble along the way. They're going to come swift and powerful and relentless. And they won't take any breaks where they take off their clothing or take their shoes off and kick their feet up for a little bit. They're not going to do that. 28. Whose arrows are sharp and all its bows bent, Hoofs of its horses as flint have been reckoned, and its wheels as a hurricane. It says, I'm going to send pagan armies against you who have horses and chariots that are super, super fast, just like a hurricane. They're going to come on you, and their arrows are going to be extremely sharp and productive. The Lord is actually going to strengthen the pagan armies and make it easier for them to fight Israel, to punish Israel. This isn't because Israel did one sin. Israel was sinning for decade after decade. Almost every king's reign in Judah and in Israel led the people into paganism. There's very few righteous kings that were over Judah. And the Lord kept warning them, but they didn't listen through many generations. 
29. Its roaring is like a lioness, it roareth like young lions, and it howleth, and seizeth prey, and carrieth away safely, and there is none delivering. This means that when the pagan armies capture POWs, they will be safe when they capture, so they're they're not going to get arrows in their back as they run away. They're going to be able to safely capture them. They're going to be like a roaring lioness who's hunting for her cubs. 30. And it howleth against it in that day as the howling of a sea, and it hath looked attentively to the land, and lo, darkness, distress, and light hath been darkened by its abundance. Isaiah says that when this happens, Israel will become so desolate that it will be dark. And that is what happened to Israel. It became a desolate, dark place. In the 1940s, when Israel was made a nation again, the land was covered in sand and drought, and there was very little vegetation there when they came back. But over the decades, they cleaned it up and watered it, and they made Israel beautiful again. But the Lord brought it to a point where the land was totally desolate, and the tribes were scattered all over the world. And that concludes Isaiah chapter 5.